Turn your Bibles this morning, if you brought your Bibles, to Hosea chapter 10. Hosea, kind of in the middle of your Bible. Hosea chapter 10. Hosea, speaking for the Lord, says, Sow for yourself righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord, till he comes and rains righteousness on you. I just wrote a little study on uh, the promises for the righteous, and it's just a delicious study of just all the things that God says that he'll give to the righteous, and and I'll, I'll make that available for you. I think we'll be doing some of that with our small groups. But Hosea is uh, speaking the heart of the Lord here. The Lord wants us to sow. Sowing is, is, is a bunch of little things. It's a repeated action. Like when you sow, it's not one big thing. If we could do one big thing to get back to God or get closer to God, we would do that one big thing. And there are lots of people who teach it that way. But Hosea, he understood, and God understood that it's sowing. It's sowing is a repeated action a bunch of a bunch of little things. And so if you even fast one meal, that's sowing towards something, and you'll reap something. It's impossible for you to sow and not reap. And he says here, you'll reap mercy. And so uh, whether you give five minutes in prayer, and if that's all you can muster, then we do that, but we do it repeatedly, and we set our clock, and we figure out a way that, you know, David found a way of, of, of every meal that he would take time and thank the Lord, and not just do a little uh, now lay me down to sleep kind of ritual, but he prayed and actually offered thanksgiving. But it says here, sow to yourself righteousness, and there's things that are right, you know that are right, God knows that are right, and it's just, it's, it's just doing the right thing and sowing to that. Uh, break up your fallow ground. And uh, on my way home from church, often I'll pass this field, and I've noticed, I noticed all last year that it was left fallow. And when it's fallow, there's corn growing up, there's wheat growing up, there's just all, it's a real hodgepodge of stuff. Uh, rather than a nice, even field of alfalfa or, or soybeans or corn or something like that, it's just a mess. It doesn't look good. And, and after sitting for uh, an entire year, the ground becomes compacted and stones are coming up. And so there's this whole process where you have to break it up all over again, just like as, as if it had never been broken before. And God wants to do that to our hearts. There's a song we used to sing. We don't sing it here, but maybe we should introduce it. It's called Break Me. And it takes courage to sing it. It's inviting the Lord to break up your heart, to take a discus to your, to your heart. And, and I need that. Don't you? A fresh beginning, a fresh sowing. Break up the fallow ground. Something's going to happen. There's an expectation of something growing that isn't growing now. And so... It's actually on you. It's not something we pray and we ask the Lord to do it and we need his input. But there's something you can do. There's some steps you can do towards breaking up the fallow ground. Then Hosea says here, he says, for it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. 
And what that means is presenting yourself before the Lord. It doesn't mean that you feel spiritual. It doesn't mean you have answers. In fact, one of the reasons for seeking the Lord is to get answers. David said when he was afraid, he would seek the Lord. God promises to meet the needs. There's a financial crunch that you're going through, and that causes us to seek the Lord. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. Sometimes our life is going along so nicely, so smoothly, that there's really no real incentive to seek the Lord. It's not like you're sick or you're broke or, or you've got conflict or your marriage is going down the tubes. You know That's when we start to seek the Lord. But what do you do when everything's kind of nicely put together? What's your incentive for seeking the Lord then? Well, we do it because he, he says it's time. And there's seasons. Everything is seasonal. And this, this whole thing of starting the new year of seeking the Lord and fasting and prayer, there's a part of it that's real. There's a part of it that's not real. In a sense, nothing really has changed except the calendar has changed. But we use, we use natural things like seasons as incentives to say, I'm going to... I'm going to start all over. That's why there's this big push. You see it in advertisements about renewing your gym membership. They don't care if you actually ever go. They just they make most of their money in January from people who sign up with, out of a fresh commitment to get back to being disciplined who never attend. There's lots of things that are seasonal, and this new year is no, no different. It says it's time to seek the Lord, and part of seeking the Lord is... Uh, one of the things we see in the scriptures is when they sought the Lord, they inquired of the Lord. They asked him questions. And one of the things you'll find about Jesus is that if you ask him questions, he will answer. If you seek him, you will find him. He will not play hide and seek where he, he, he distances himself from you intentionally so you, you don't get to tap into what he has. He wants to be found. He wants to be known. He wants you to seek him. But you can't take steps towards seeking him from your heart, in all honesty, and not experience him in a fresh way. And that's what we... Is there anyone else besides me? I mean, I'm longing for a fresh, fresh encounter with the Lord. Anybody else at all? He says here that, he says that it's time to seek the Lord. I'll tell you, I, I don't know of a better time to seek the Lord than these crazy days where uh, the dysfunction of our government, our society is in upheaval, and there's, it's crazy. I mean, we're in a nice little Penyam bubble, but you get outside this bubble, get down into New York City and other places, it's, it's insane, it's crazy. There's a lot of confusion, and, and even, even among uh, uh, the big health, the, health, the CDC is at odds with Fauci, and Fauci's at odds with the, I mean, it's just crazy. This is a time where you need to anchor your heart in the Lord who's unmovable. And the only way to do that is you have to seek the Lord and be able to hear from him and get a sense of peace from him and draw your sanity from him. Draw your sense of being unmovable. Your champion is in the Lord and, and he wants you to win this thing. But you're not going to do it if you're just blown around by everything that's happening. I meet people who are totally frazzled. Uh, it's it's kind of like a CNN mindset that they're just they're just totally frazzled they have they're just jittery because they they they've been watching the news too much i think i think it's important to watch the news not have our head in the sand we should know what's going on but you can overdo it 
you can become a junkie where, where you're, you're, you're just tracking everything that's happening, the latest variant uh, that comes along. And there's going to be a lot more variants. And there's going to be really a time, uh, it says in the Bible, there's an end time where there's a scenario where there's all kinds of diseases that they have no idea what it is and no idea how to cure it. There's more stuff coming, but somebody has to be anchored in. And I think it comes from seeking the Lord. I think it comes from getting our perspective from him. But that comes from seeking God. Hosea is inviting us to do that until he comes. And he will respond, and he'll rain righteousness upon us. If you go back to Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6. Verse 3, and Jen will put that on the wall behind me. And, and the King James says, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord, this new King James. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us as the rain, like the rain, like the latter and former rain of the earth. Here's my paraphrase. I love this verse, but I, I, I meditated on it and I come up with my own version of it. This is my meditation out of it. Let us learn all we can from the Lord. Let us press on to know the Lord, and he will respond to us as sure as the coming dawn and the rain of early spring. He will respond. This is a promise. This is a promise that says if you seek the Lord, he will respond. It's as sure as rain in autumn. It's sure as rain in the spring. It's sure as the morning's going to come. God will respond. Let us press on to know the Lord, to experience him. There's a way to know him in your head, and then there's a way to know him in your heart. There's a way to know him by experience, where you get a fresh touch from the Lord. This is an invitation from the same God who was speaking through Hosea earlier, saying, come on, come on, it's time to seek the Lord. I want you to know me afresh. You press on, you press in to know me, and I'll tell you what, I'll respond just as surely as it's going to be light tomorrow morning, just as surely as it rains in the spring and it rains in the fall, just as surely as those seasons happen, I will respond. I don't know if you've noticed this. I don't know if you've thought about it, but if you've been attending Wellspring here for a past while, we don't use condemnation to motivate you. It's not that we don't care, and it's not that we don't want to motivate you, but we've all been under, we've all been in churches where they use fear and, motiv and condemnation to get you to do things. And here there's a complete absence of it. Almost looks like you could just do what you want. You could just go where you want, do what you want, attend if you want, show up if you want, show up when you want. It's not our intention, but when you subtract condemnation and fear as a motivation to get people to go places, it doesn't leave you with a whole lot. What you end up being motivated by are the promises of God or a reality, a truth. The truth is we need, we're not doing really well, and the truth is our life is cobbled up. The truth is, is, is we're, we're thirsty and dry or we're tired. That's a truth. And that kind of truth, and we try to present it, never that you've got the issue. It's always that <laughs> we're tired, we're hungry, we're thirsty. But the absence of condemnation as a, as a prod to get you to move, if you take that away, there's really not a lot to move you with. 
No sense of being damned and no sense of being rejected if you don't. It has to come out of a promise. I want your life, I want my spiritual life built upon a promise from God's word. Here's a promise. He says that if in this coming week you seek the Lord, he'll respond to you. As surely as the coming dawn, as surely as the rains of autumn and spring, he will respond. Isn't that powerful? What a, that's a much better motivation. As I've traveled in, in different places, I was down in Columbia, South America, and I, I saw this guy moving an oxen, and the ox will not move on its own. So he had what's called a goad. It was a long stick, and he had taken a, uh, taken a piece of metal and taken it to the blacksmith, and he had it sharpened. And I got to hold it and look at it, and the way he kept that oxen going is he just kept prodding that thing in the rear end constantly. If he didn't prod it, it wouldn't go anywhere. It wouldn't just work. Oxen don't just get up and say, hey, I think, I'll, I, I think I'll plow a field. I think I'll just carry a barge, a load. Some, I'll tote something somewhere. Oxens don't do that. They have to be goaded into it. In India, we'll see them moving livestock, and the, the way they goad them is they'll have a, a piece of bamboo, and they're just constantly tapping on their back to get them to move. And the moment they stop tapping, they stop moving. There's good goads and there's bad goads. And many of us have been under a religion where the goad has been fear, condemnation, rejection, acceptance, trying to get people to move. That's a bad goad. A good goad is a promise from God. That'll motivate you. A good goad is uh, some kind of incentive uh, our, our sense of reality, a truth that we see things differently. We see it, okay, now I'm, I need to move ahead because this is true. And God, by his spirit, often brings us to a condition, a place of seeing ourselves realistically rea with reality. That should motivate us. That's a good motivator. Fear, God won't use it. Condemnation, he's not even in it. But I've seen people, and I can see it in their wheels are turning, that the only thing that motivates them is name-calling and, and demeaning kind of language and, 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 and condemnation if they do or if condemnation if they don't. That's not what we're seeing here. We're seeing a promise as an incentive to go further with God. Sometimes it might be good to even go to another church and just hear that, the, the, the amount of motivation that is shame, condemnation, and fear. It's, there's a lot of it out there. But uh, it's not for the mature. It's not for, it's not for where we want you to go. Let's go back to Hosea chapter 12. Move, move a little further to the right. Hosea chapter 12. Again, Jim will put this up behind us. Verse 6. says this, it says, so you, by the help of your God, return, observe mercy and justice, and wait on your God continually. Here's a paraphrase of that. It says this, this is my paraphrase of it. Here's what you should do. Turn to the Lord again. Can you see that? Turn to the Lord again. Embrace both his mercy and judgment. 
Those two things motivate me, and those two things are intention. It's not all mercy. There's a reality. The reality is that there's consequences for everything we do. There's consequences for living your own life and doing your own thing. There's consequences for making up your own, your own decisions and going your own way. There's consequences. That's part of the judgment. So he says, here's what you should do. Turn to the Lord, embrace both mercy and judgment, and wait continually upon your God with eager expectation. Expecting something from God. There's a story in the Bible of children of Israel conquering the land. They're going from place to place. And a nearby tribe heard of them and they were afraid of them. And they didn't want to be conquered. Every city was wasted, and they didn't want that to happen. So they come up with this plan of, of making, putting on their oldest clothes that were all torn and dirty and got uh, uh, bags of uh, water that were just old skins and got moldy bread, and they put it all on their livestock, and they moved, and they said, we've heard of the fear of the Lord. We've heard of the exploits of your God, and we've traveled a long way to join you and to be with you, but really, they're just a nearby tribe. And they welcomed them into their tribe. Then they found out that they'd been scammed, and then they found out that the reality was is they were, they were the very people that the Lord told them to displace. And there's this little line. It says, because they did not inquire of the Lord. They didn't ask God. They didn't seek God. They didn't, they didn't include him in their decision, and they were duped. That happens to us all the time. But there's something about inquiring of the Lord and presenting yourself and seeking the Lord. So they had consequences. They were stuck with a, the kind of a thorn in their side for a long time afterwards. And it was just a little line, a little line that says they didn't seek the Lord. That's part of the judgment. So I'm aware that there's consequences. I, I'm not afraid of that in the sense that, that I'm, I'm, I'm uh, intimidated or... or, or uh, fear struck by it, but I'm mindful of it. I know there's consequences for seeking the Lord and for not seeking the Lord. Let's go to uh, Hosea chapter 13, verse 9. There's this little line that says, O Israel, you are destroyed. An amazing thing to hear from the Lord. But your help is from me. O Israel, you are destroyed but your help is from me. Here's how I paraphrase that as I meditate on This is where I come out on it. You've brought this trouble upon yourself, but in me is your help. <laughs> I love that. It's like the Lord is saying, look, you, you, you've messed up, and, and you're living, you're limping along with stuff. You've brought this upon yourself. But again, there's no condemnation. He turns around and says, but look at in me is your help. There's something about owning our own spiritual condition and saying, I've got this way because I've done this and I've neglected that. You've brought this upon yourself. That's a reality. And the Lord's just using the spirit of truth, the spirit of reality to help them see, look, at you. here's what he doesn't say. You ever hear your dad 
or your grandpa, he, my, my dad would have used this language. He would have said, Phil, you might remember this. He would have said, uh, you made your bed, now sleep in it. <laughs> Nothing worse than the bed you made. It's not a lot nicer when mom makes the bed and tucks you in. But you made your bed. It's a mess. You're going to have to sleep in it. The Lord's saying, you made a mess. You've gotten yourself under the stress through decisions that you've made on your own. But I'm not going to leave you in there. In me is your help. But the way to tap into that is you have to stop. You have to get off all the busyness. You have to come aside. You have to make time. You have to present yourself. You have to make the effort. I think the reason for fasting, and I, I heard really good um, comments about Nelson's sermon on fasting last week. Different people seem to really appreciate it. The reason for fasting is not so much to, it's not altogether to convince God. It's to convince yourself that you're serious. I want this. I want this more than my necessary food. I want this more than my habit. I want more than this, me being satisfied. I'm, I'm willing to stop doing this because I want to seek the Lord. I think that's powerful. I think it does convince God. I think there's a part where he's looking and he says, he's serious. He's, he's, turned, that, he's turned all that volume down. He's, turned, he's unplugged or she's come aside from all her busyness and her routine. They must really want what I have for them. I think that's a powerful incentive to move forward into this new year, starting it off with fasting and prayer. What do you want? <laughs> do you want your life put on cruise control and just cruise right along as like just normal? Well, it just doesn't work that way. It just, my life doesn't, my life has valleys and has mountains, has ups and downs, has crises has conflict. I'm, I'm working with people whose marriages are struggling. I'm working with people whose health is broken. I'm working with, I'm struggling. I, I have to seek the Lord. The only way that I'm going to make it is to seek the Lord. Amen? Let's look at a couple more. Let's go to Hosea chapter 14, verse, verse 4. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger is turned away from him. Let's keep going. It says, verse 5, I will be like the dew to Israel, and he shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. Here's my paraphrase of these verses. I'll show you how to put an end to your inconsistencies, which leads to spiritual regression. I will demonstrate my love for them, proving that I'm no longer angry for what they've done. That's powerful. Verse 5. I will be like the dew to you, and you shall grow like the lily on the surface, but underneath there'll be roots like the cedars of Lebanon. What a powerful picture that is. If you can picture a split screen, and on the surface you see the lily of the valley that looks like Jesus, and it's growing on the surface. I, I want to look like Jesus, don't you? He says, I'll be like dew to you. On the surface, you'll be like the lily of the valley. Below the surface, you'll have these massive roots like, like the cedars of Lebanon. What a powerful picture of the, of the Christian life. I, I think the way we're going to get through the end times, and we're in the end times, 
They're not, they're not someday. They're now. In fact, these are not even the end times. These are the end of the end times. It has to be that we're in the end times. And it's getting late. I want to look like Jesus on the surface, but underneath, I need, I need roots. I need roots to go down. And I, I think one of the things that's kind of, a, kind of a misunderstanding in the church, the way to get root growth is through dry times. And so the, 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 the dew comes upon. There is a watering, but it's not the rain of early spring. It's not the latter rain of the fall. It's not a heavy rain. It's dew. It's, it's just enough. It's just enough. And I, I have whole parts of my spiritual life where it's just enough nurture and nutrition. I want to look like Jesus on the surface, but I need roots. I need a root system. And the way roots grow is through winter, wilderness, dry times. We resent them, we reject them, we, we, we even fake it sometimes, like, the, like it's, it's for other people, but it's not for us. The fact is, we go through dry times as, as individuals and as a church. There's no way to make it up. And all God wants us to do is be real and to be honest. Let the spirit of reality help us to be able to admit it. And then what you do is you say, okay, but the way I'm going to grow, the only way I'm going to grow is I'm going to have to seek the Lord. I'm going to have to press in. And I want, I want, I want a change. I want, I want to grow. And so there has to be a, a stopping of the things that I normally do, a breaking of the pattern of mealtimes and, 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 and television times and YouTube times and all the things that we do and just say, you know, I want this so much I'm going to set all that stuff aside. And it helps convince our own hearts and it somehow probably convinces God that we mean it. And then he responds to us. It's time to seek the Lord. Let me rephrase that. It's time for me to seek the Lord. Do you want to go with me? I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I've had a whole pattern of, of doing things that needs to be broken. And I'm using this calendar of a new year that says, okay, I'm going to draw a line and those things are going to stop. And I'm going to sow to my spirit because I want to grow. I want to change a pattern. I need God. I need God to change. But I can't change in myself. And what you're not hearing, you shouldn't be hearing this. I'm not telling you to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, that it's all on you. I, I think you have to start it. I think sowing, breaking up fallow ground is on you to start with. But you can't do that very long without God coming down the pike and adding, adding things to you that you can't get by yourself. And it comes from seeking the Lord. Hosea said, I believe it. It's time. It's time to seek the Lord. Is there an amen in the house anywhere? Any, any heart here that says amen to this? It's time. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to prioritize a few days in this coming year to start off with. Starting tonight, I'd like, to, I like, I like this place to be full with people who are, who are wanting to seek the Lord. We have a lot of things to pray through as a church. I know it's a lot to ask, 
but it's, we're going to provide it. And if you want to take part of it, you can. No condemnation if you, if you don't. We're not going to be keeping tabs. But I, I, I just don't want it to rest on the same 20 people who show up and pray for all of our interests as a church. I, I, I'm, I'm making plans right now for a winter camp meeting. We've begun to invite prophetic people to come in, people from the outside to help us because there's, there's only so much that you could do from within. You need outside injection. You need outside perspective. We're working on a, a kids' worship camp. We're working on different retreats that we'd like to see happen uh, for our young people. There's, there's things we need to pray for. Plus, we've started these churches. They need prayer. We want to start a few more churches. They're gonna, the only way that's going to happen is we have to pray it through. But I can't think of a better way to spend this season of my life and this last phase of my life than the releasing young people into starting nice, solid, wholesome churches. But it has to be prayed through. And it has to be an extension of the life that we have here. I think the way we can move this whole thing forward together is to pray together. I think when you pray together, you catch vision. When you pray together, you start to see things from God's perspective. He starts opening our hearts, and we, it's no longer Penn's vision, it's our vision. It's no longer what my church does, it's what I'm about. I would like to take counseling that we, we, we can be trained in and take it out into the, take it out into the village of Penyan and make it available. I want to put a sandwich board sign out there that says free coffee and counseling. Come for healing, prayer. Prayer on Friday for healing. Open it up to our village. I just don't think we're there right now. I don't think we can offer that without it being a complete dud. Well, the only way that's going to happen, there has to be something behind it, and that something is prayer. We have friends in Portugal. I'm in touch with them. We Zoom. We talk. We, they just did a retreat. And I was at the retreat by Zoom, and they're struggling. And, and that's a church that we love those people. Maybe, maybe you're new enough, you haven't met them, but they've all been here at some point in time or another. Well, we need to stand with them in prayer. Church in, 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 in Belleville, Ontario, needs a building. The church that we started down in Quinty, or down in Delaware, it can't go any further without a, a, a building. It has to have a building. Well, the only way buildings happen is through prayer because we have nothing except we're meek. And the meek of the earth, they inherit everything. They inherit, those who are meek in the Lord inherit what God has for them. We can inherit buildings and lands if we can approach this in meekness. I think the way to demonstrate meekness is in prayer by saying, I, we can't do this. We don't have the resources, but we're coming to you, believing you for everything we need. That's meekness. And we will inherit the earth if we approach it properly. Amen? Let's stop here. Yeah, let's stand together. What's your goad? What, mo what moves you? What motivates you? I'd like you to think about that. On my website, I have a website called penclark.study. And the sermon and the many more promises for those who seek the Lord, a whole study of fasting and prayer, a whole study of good goads and bad goads is on that website. You can go there. You can download it onto your phone. You can read it through the week, and it will add life to you. And if you want to get them, they're free. They're posted there. You can go anytime and get them. Amen. Let's pray. Father, what you did through Hosea, we ask that you do in this church in these days.
inspire us. Call us closer to yourself. Don't leave us to ourselves. Don't leave us in the condition that we're in. We want vibrant marriages, vibrant children, vibrant spiritual life. Lord, the only way we can get that is to come before you. Father, take us there. Take us by the heart and lead us closer. In Jesus' name.